uh, we have to this episode will be coming out around the time of of, of January 6th, not on January 6th, but it's been a year since. Um, <laughs> and uh, I've seen headlines that say I just Washington Post stuff that says every day is January 6th now. Um, <laughs> it's been a while since since that's happened. I, I don't think about it as much, but it comes up like a lot in my normie conversations to people like they'll always be talking about January 6th even people I uh, that had no business ever talking about politics to me like people love January 6th people love yeah. January 6th man and like I mean you know mm -hmm. I, I for what it was you ask even any right like you ask like right-wing people and they'll say oh it was some people will say like yeah that shit was based and then you'll see some people say oh that was a psyop I don't know man like what do you guys think like now a year later of January 6th I, I had the same experience I had my um a family member of mine who normally would like don't talk about that stuff brought it up to me and they were like they're like man it was just like really <clears throat> like they mentioned another <clears throat> uh family member of ours that had passed away uh recently and they're like man if they they were around if they would have seen this they just would have been so disappointed and i was just kind of like nah i don't see it <laughs> i was like i don't know yeah i don't think so yeah i don't know but maybe i'm wrong yeah so what about you well, January sixth is a is Armenian Christmas, oh. so it's always a festive and wonderful day. So every day is January sixth. Uh, yeah, that's lovely. yeah every day. That's fun. And now it's hilarious. yeah. So it's Arme So yeah, for me, I'm just uh, I'm still looking forward to. I'm still I still I'm still rocking the the Christmas hat Avi online uh, until January sixth, and it's nice that it's like a, accompanied now by American Democracy Day. Mm. Um, you know, one day this should be like a fucking holiday, uh, where, you know, people went out to protest and became political prisoners for protesting election transparency or the lack of election transparency. Um, yeah. Interesting. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't have any like sophisticated thoughts. I think it's, it was an obvious, it's like an, yet another obvious, um, uh, uh hysterical, news event created out of what is perfectly normal uh, democratic behavior, which is to yeah. protest when you have questions about the transparency of a fucking election. Yeah. It's just crazy that the wording of it and the timing of when it happened after everything else that had happened in the, in the past year and a half, two years, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just, it's five stunning. years of, yeah. I mean, five years of, of election denial, five yeah. years of like right. presenting this or yeah. that reason why this election that, is illegitimate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And well, uh, just the whole like the whole fiery, but mostly peaceful protests, like subheadings on, you know, and like CNN. Yeah. Right, right. The <laughs> yeah. summer of. Yeah, yeah. The summer yeah. of just summer of flames and summer of like uh, <laughs> of, of charred grocery stores and mechanic <laughs> and mechanic shops in yeah. inner city charred. neighborhoods. Charred. Yeah. yeah. Charred. So, yeah. Charred. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do like that. I do like that. That's the. Uh, what, what I found really funny about the whole thing is just like getting into the mind of somebody who was freaked out about January 6th because it's not just boomer libs like these are like there's people that are like 20 years old that have like quote unquote dissident politics about like everything else but they freaked out about it and and you know and you'll see people say oh I um they they act like the democracy factory got broken into and stop production. <laughs> yeah, dude. All right, no more democracy. We have stopped production. Like that's because it. of a protest. Yeah. Because of a protest and because AOC who was merely hiding under her desk a mere 3 miles from the protest or wherever felt really threatened. 
doing blow, <laughs> doing blow in the bathroom stall. I, you know that's what was happening, <laughs> by the way. Like I, I just, I mean, you're in the bathroom stall, and she's like, "Oh, I was hiding." Yeah, you know, like I, I was hiding, dude. I, 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 I didn't know if I would ever, I would ever taste the freckles of a ginger white cock <laughs> on my lips ever again. I didn't know if Ron Weasley, a Ron Weasley brother, would ever grace my presence. Happy Christmas, Harry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, man. From the five to the six, we be in the mix with that rare candy paint job on the whip. I need food for the kids, money for the rent. Fuck a lockdown, baby, I can't do that shit. And I don't never vote, cause I'm fucking broke. And either way, I know the police ain't gonna leave me alone. On a plane, by the visit Glen Rock, me crypto told me I should bring the Glock with me. So I packed up my piece and I'm sliding. Cause we might get caught up in a riot. Middle finger Trump, middle finger Biden. Fuck a left, fuck a right, is you riding? So we have filthy Armenian here with us, um, and you have a you have a podcast, and it's a very interesting concept, right? Because you do not use Zoom like we're using right now. No, man, I like it in the flesh. I go cool. back straight to the guest. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we it's recorded live on in, on location uh, with a field recorder. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, I try and trying to it's kind of got a lot of it's called Filthy Armenian Adventures. And some of them are more some of the episodes are more intentionally kind of approached than others where um, I kind of try to get capture a conversation naturally uh, mm-hmm. or, a, or, an, or a literal adventure you know, among friends or among me and somebody I like or admire naturally, rather than the kind of, rather than the, you know, interview process that most podcasts are. I want to, I like to, I like to get into people's minds, not as they are, not as performers, but as like who they really are and how they kind of, how these, how um, ideas sort of uh, 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 and, and social interactions kind Mm -hmm. of organically form. So that's kind of part of the aesthetic of it. Yeah, we need more of that. That's that's really really cool. Really, modest. yeah, it was it was cool because I was I was listening to one episode. I don't remember which one it was, but it was the, you could hear like dishes clanking in the background, almost like a re- like a restaurant. And I was like, that yeah. was so cool. Like it was very like it was almost like film, you know, like almost like a like a older film, like a '60s film at a restaurant, you know, where you'd hear like the tables being bust behind it and stuff. And um, yeah, it was really cool. Like the ambiance of it is fun. I understand that you do have Adam, our friend Adam Lair uh, coming. Is easy. I don't know if that episode's out yet, but I, it sounds like you guys have spoken. That's coming out. Yeah, it'll, that'll be out in the next day or two. Um, okay, so by the time that, this that, is yeah. out for sure, then you will have an Adam Lair yeah. episode out. So oh, yeah. we will have an Adam Lair episode, and that Adam Lair episode is going to be a long journey uh, in, through Chinatown, New York City, for, starting at an art gallery opening and ending in a dive bar. And it's and it's a wild, you know, with like all kinds of overlapping dialogue, all perfectly, you know, not edited in any way, but like just naturally yeah. progressing that way. And how did you get um, him? To, how did you get him to do all that? Go to an art gallery and then Chinatown and to a bar. <laughs> well, how, how, how did you convince him to do such? Yeah, a thing? <laughs> well, you know, I, I have I know his secret. I know his uh, Achilles heel. Which is obviously heroin, um, but, but but other than no, I mean we just I just went to New York to meet up people like like you know meet up people that I've I've known right. online or that I've already met on from from online and whatever and and he and he was there and I was just like well what can we do where where what kind of adventure can we go on while we're here where can I 
record an episode with you. And there was a gallery opening and it's like an exhibit opening happening. And he just said, meet me there. So um, yeah, he took me into a world that I have absolutely no familiarity with, Mm. which is the, you know, near, I was gonna say underground, but it's really more near ground art world of New York, where, where Adam has kind of distinguished himself as a based critic and, and writer. And, um, and so it was really fun um a really fun exploration and like i could have you know i haven't read i had not read his book until after um i could have read it i i could have theoretically known all about his his stuff in that world going into it but i preferred to kind of yeah capture the discovery real time and 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 you know in my the beginning of my episodes Mm -hmm. i always have a monologue where i kind of Mm -hmm. reflect on what's about to happen so yeah um i hope people enjoy it yeah, he's so he's so rad. I gotta listen to that. And I his book is rocks. Like I knew it would be good, but I'm like I'm actually like you know it's when one your friend and it's like oh that's cool you know. But it's a legit impressive piece of work. You know, so yeah, it's I, it's it's good. I appreciate. It. I mean, it's gonna get better. You know, it's a start. It just it's only six episodes in, and I'm figuring out a lot of stuff still, like about how much I can get away with. Uh, but uh, it's gonna get better. But I'm glad that yeah, people well, you know, are enjoying it so far. Yeah. Well, Glenn and I was talking because you know everyone has a podcast now, and I, I'm not one of those podcast police where it's like everyone has less people need to do this. You know, it's like no, I think more. You it's know? great, but it's but great. we always talk about like how do we bring this beyond just like yeah, like you said, the interview thing, just sit, sitting around on Zoom, and we're we're going to start implementing a lot of that stuff. But I think just having just something else, like you said, like just having that dishes ambiance in the background, just little things like that to make it so much better on an aesthetic level. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you said, I mean, I'm so happy that Glenn, Glenn, uh, I said Glenn for some reason. Yeah. Glenn, 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 that's Glenn, my, Glenn, that's my stage Glenn, name. My stage yeah. name is Glenn Rockney. Yeah. Glenn Rockney. Yeah. Um, glamorous Glenn. Yeah. You know, I'm really, I'm stoked that you, that it's evoked the idea of a movie to you. Cause that's kind of, that's mm-hmm. exactly what I've been going for is for each episode to feel like a, a, a movie minus the images um and the soundscape is again it's not edited in and i'm like i'm I'm trying to get as much as i can of that feeling into each of these things and to and to kind of like yeah i mean you know capture an experience you know not to like joe rogan's podcast is called the joe rogan experience although i don't think that i think that's more of a just an act you know conversation type podcast but like i feel like there's no reason why the podcast medium can't capture an experience with as much intimacy as a movie can, if not more, because it, because it's real. Um, And with, you know, most of the tools that a movie has, except for the images. Um, So I do think that there are all kinds of possibilities. And it's so, it's also just really cool that radio has, is proving to be a Lindy, you know, like this was supposed to be dead a hundred years ago when TV came along. Yeah. And and now it's it's as far as anybody you know anyone is concerned it's the most reliably like the fastest growing future medium so it'd be absurd to dismiss it as or even or to kind of like relegate it as well it's just people you know it's just, it's just for this or it's just for it's just for that like in the beginning it was mostly radio guys it was like i listened to adam carolla a lot oh yeah in the in those <laughs> early years and and it was like and 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 i think he's great and i think you know high, especially when you're stuck in traffic all the time in mm-hmm. la but it was in his style of podcast is very much like morning radio show 
but podcast minus the the commercials mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, at the time it was just like, okay, if you're not, you don't have your radio deal anymore while well, you're doing a podcast. But as we've seen, it's gone in so many wild directions. And I mean, I've been inspired by uh, everything from uh, you know, the, the Perfume Nationalist and Red yeah. Scare to the fictional stuff. Um, yeah. a, a lot of cool stuff. Ghost Jail has been great. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So they're like, there's a lot there's a lot of places that this can all can go and i'm I'm excited to see where you guys and everyone else keeps taking it yeah it, it's fun it's funny that you bring up adam carolla because like my dad who is just like a very regular lib you know just regular regular old lib absolutely loves adam carolla like can't get enough of him thinks he's the <laughs> thing because he is he's just objectively funny and good at talking so like it's it, it, I, he was one of the original guys even before i had ever heard an episode of joe rogan he was one of the guys that like my dad would be like, come home and be like, hey, I, I paused my iPod, uh, you know, mini right where this podcast was that I want you to hear this this 10 minute clip of. And you just sit there and he'd play it for me. I'd have one earphone and he'd have on the other and we'd both just be laughing because Adam Kroll would just have this insane rant about like how. Uh, you know, commercials back in the day used to be about a school that you could go to to learn a trade, but now the commercials now are about how you can sue somebody for something that never happened, you know? And, and, <laughs> yeah. That's all day. Like, like, just to him, like, that was the most incredible stuff in the world, and I and I loved it, too. And and um, is he still going? I haven't listened to oh, him. Oh, yeah, he's still going. Uh, yeah, yeah. Every single day. And he's got, like, five podcasts, too. Like, he's been doing, like, yeah. he has, like, f- like five spinoff podcasts that he does weekly, and he does uh. his daily one. And I think, you know, the thing with Adam Carolla and with other people, too, um, that we, we've been talking I've recently, uh, I like I was talking with Amy about Rush Limbaugh and I was talking with Jack about Rush Limbaugh. And like I, Adam Carolla is somebody who super, extremely working class background yep. in the yep. sense that he was a fucking construction worker mm-hmm. who dropped out of junior college and lived with like five guys for like throughout his twenties mm-hmm. and, and had no parental support. And his parents are loser bum hippies, like yep. burnt out hippies. La- didn't Latino do studies, right? Wasn't his mom a Latino. She, she went to get, <laughs> yeah, she went to get a Chicano studies Chicano degree, studies. like in her forties, like that was her, never worked. She never worked uh, leftists. And you could see how <laughs> you could see how he formed from that, like in, in absolute opposition to the leftist, inertia of his parents <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, and and anyway i mean he's just like it's it's interesting to see how polit- like i had no idea listening to him initially that he had any kind of political point of view right like, i just knew him as a comedian that's it and from loveline and stuff and mancho and and right off the bat like organically he start he would rant because he rants about everything that happens to his everyday life and he would like just these re- go on these based rants about all the various things the hiccups you face when you're trying to do shit as a normal human being in a big ass liptarded city. And it's, <laughs> and in his case, he's a builder. So like he has to deal with zoning bullshit. Yeah. He has to deal with look yet. He was on the homelessness thing years before it became like undeniable to everyone everywhere. Right. I mean, because when you're doing shit on a daily basis and you're actually talking about it on a daily mm-hmm. basis, which you can only do on talk radio, uh, certain, you know, certain, flaws in the in the scheme of <laughs> liberal utopia start to start to appear to you even if you're just like totally apolitical you know and yeah. he clearly is like he clearly has no he has no he, has, he, he didn't come through any kind of political right uh you know right-wing talk radio thing he was on fm and stuff doing uh 
doing bits and doing characters and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's an it's just interesting to see that like environment that talk that daily regular actual working class talk radio voice emerge um, from and and kind of just become as interesting as Adam Carolla's. Yeah, he he was uh yeah he's he's one of those guys like where after a while right because and, and this is a good segue to what we we're, we're going to talk about today he's one of those guys that once it got to about 2015 2016 time he was assigned a, a set of politics by media people right like it was more not so much not so much like adam crowell came out and said i'm right wing republican you know what i mean like yeah you could probably you know if you were to listen to him every day you could probably maybe like think like okay man this guy's probably leans right wing, you know what I mean? But like th- I, there was a time when when Trump was first announcing being elected or uh, first announcing that he was running in 2016, where everybody had to basically be pushed into a corner somewhere like where it was like, this guy's this, this guy's that, this guy's uh, right wing, this guy's a fascist, this guy's uh, liberal, he's on our side, this guy's that. and everybody wanted to know your Trump take at the time. Everybody wanted to know that stuff uh, was happening. Now, where, where I'm moving on to here is um you're you're a sports fan you're a sports fan uh armenian and and the the what i don't you must have seen this the same way i i've seen this too i was not even into politics in 2015 2016 in fact the only time i ever really heard a lot about politics was maybe through the lens of some like random sports moments that might have happened um i was not super into it i had beliefs but i probably leaned like you know lib a little bit like just like ah i'm you know very guy i don't want to piss anybody off type thing like uh, i'm i'm a liberal <laughs> but in like 2015 2016 every sports writer right and this is sports i shouldn't be thinking about like real politics during this you had once the once kaepernick took a knee every sports writer became a politics writer and it then, you know, you'd think like in theory, if that happens, oh, we're going to see some big brain political takes. No, we saw like elementary school level takes at that point. <laughs> we saw absolutely elementary school level level takes from, from because sports writers are morons like sports yes. writers. The reason you become a sports writer is because you don't have, you know, you, you're, you're disengaging from things that matter for real in this life. And that's good. That's okay. Like you're, you're supposed to be, that's part of the charm of being yes. a sports writer to <laughs> sniff jocks. You're supposed to be a jock sniffing locker room urchin who play, who gambles and plays cards. Yes. That's like the old school sports writers that fly I on the team with the fucking fly on the plane with the team. You know what I'm playing saying? Playing gin rummy yes. with Will Chamberlain. Yes. You're going like you're fucking you're chasing tail with the players. And that's part I've known. these. I've, I've been lucky enough to meet some of these old timers. Actually, one of them, is an Armenian guy named Doug Krikorian um, mm. here from Long Beach. Uh, right. And he's full of fucking stories. He used to be on talk radio and uh, sports talk radio in LA for, for decades. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, it, the sudden turn of all sports writing into just yet another, like into a bunch of Jezebel, uh, <laughs> Dead spin. In, a, a chorus of Jezebel, uh, like 23 year old, uh, bisexual SSRI college <laughs> girls from Wesleyan <laughs> was like, it's like thoroughly Glenn, fucking annoying. It's like Glenn said, Elizabeth Warren sports writers. I love that. Yeah, Elizabeth <laughs> fucking. Yes. yes. There are literally yeah, NFL yeah. writers. You should never feel comfortable writing a column about the NFL and then having like that Elizabeth Warren, like pistachio green thing, like tint to your abby. <laughs> like, you should never feel comfortable ever typing a sport. I mean, the same goes for Bernie Sanders too. I don't need to know any of that shit, dude. Like, I don't need to know any of that stuff about you. I, in fact, like, like you should, it should just be no in your, like the dead spin, right? After, 
what happened was a lot of blogging moved on right like we were talking about you'd see you'd see play guys in the back in the day they would fly with the team they would know they'd know the little funny little anecdotes that they'd see on the on the bus they'd know what they could say what they couldn't say happened they they yeah. it was it was very you know you couldn't talk about you know Lawrence Taylor getting penicillin shots before games because you know the 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 uh, trainer just mixing penicillin into his smoothies just because maybe <laughs> the night before he didn't remember somebody that he fucked you know and yeah. you, you 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 couldn't write about that then later the podcast circuit comes out that's how you found out about that but then you you have these people starting blogs right and it's almost like what you're seeing from the covid sector where everything's remote work a lot of this blogging this sports blogging is remote work you're seeing a guy who covers the seattle seahawks who lives in portland fucking oregon right who is like the lead guy and and guess what guess what he's commenting on right his fucking seattle seahawks you know uh maybe i don't like uh uh their offensive coordinator that's a a 200 word blog post on there very very hollow and lame but guess what he's got a 97 twitter thread thing about aaron Rodgers talking about ivermectin on the pat mcafee show he's definitely got <laughs> right. takes on that right but this guy right. is a battle seahawks blogger fuck ben baldwin is all i'm gonna say by the way like fuck ben baldwin anybody who knows who ben baldwin is fuck that guy just in case i know a seattle seahawks i know a seattle seahawks blogger who lives across the street from me in hollywood uh, yeah what awesome. yeah like, there's an issue there yeah <laughs> but i mean yeah, maybe he's a yeah, cool guy like, but yeah it's, that's that shouldn't no, in, in this case he's a cool guy but but yeah it's 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 you know it's even a bigger to me it's like even a bigger thing than than the remoteness right. it's like spiritual remoteness because much like much like many other fields um basically every cultural field it's become anti-art and the anti-art of sports is sports oh, is actually yes. bad Sports is actually exploitation. Yes. Sports is actually militaristic. Uh, sports is actually, you know, toxic masculinity. Sports is actually, that's, it's been this long manifesto of actually on sports for like the last <laughs> 12 fucking years. I'm not Bro. watching sports in order to feel guilty about watching sports. I'm watching sports to find, yes. to, 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 to a, a gaze at muscular men doing feats of, gladiator like uh uh like majesty yeah. that i could never imagine myself doing um except for a brief moment as a goalkeeper in you know in high school when i was very but uh other than that like I've, these are these are these are people beyond like beyond imagining doing things that are real and that are who are playing a game that despite a few fuck-ups from the refs now and then is ultimately decided in objective terms by reality and not by judges and not by mm -hmm. uh narratives and not by all the other bullshit that gate keeps everything else we consume in this world well you see so, that's the problem right there it's real <laughs> well, like, exactly it's just <laughs> yeah. too fucking real especially for the and then and you know objective yeah uh, it's too objective it's too real it's too capitalistic it's too it there's winner it's zero sum there's winners there's losers and guess what colin kaepernick Took a knee after he couldn't even start on a two and 14 49ers team over Blaine Gabbert, who, if you're listening to this in <laughs> your day, facts. is a very bad quarterback. Uh, yeah. You know, so like and Blaine, he, and Blaine Gabbert's you know, a good looking guy if you're a gay man, too, by the way. Yeah. And he's a good looking guy. And he's and, you know, <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. There's a truth about me that nobody will probably believe is that, honestly, I literally attribute my if it weren't for I'm a UCLA football fan lifelong. Mm. And if it weren't for UCLA football, 
I probably would be a far more heterosexual man today. And that's not even a joke because I following UCLA football, just a combination of talented, you know, good looking men who inevitably disappoint. That's just like, that's, that's been the recipe for like, for my entire sexual orientation. I mean, how, and, I, I don't, and it, it continues I, who, who to this day. It's been 20 fucking years. Who are we talking about what? here? What players are we talking about here? UCLA football. I mean, it's not, no, it's nobody specific. Okay. It's just like one, you know, yeah. year after year. I, I mean, I could name, I could throw all kinds of names at you. The The player I most admired growing up was Cade McNown. Nice. Um, he's a, yeah. I mean, he was the guy who led UCLA to their last glory sure. days in, in 97 and 98 when they won mm-hmm. 20 games in a row. And that anyway, that's a long story because that ended and they should have been the first in the first BCS championship game. But because of a blown call at the end of the the last game against Miami, they got Mm. fucked out of it. And it's been downhill for 23 years ever since. And that's why my knees are sore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's funny. That's good. I, I actually I like what you were saying there about the like. Because because when you, when you saw yeah Colin Colin Kaepernick takes a knee and all of a sudden sports journalism changes like completely like over overnight like and, and you know I'm not saying that before that you were you had the 1960s version of sports journalism you, you didn't have that but it just it was something to where like okay if it was always headed that way that was like a 20 or 30 year process to where it should have gotten to where it is now right if if society is always the arc of history bends left like whatever all that dumb stuff like if that actually was true it should have taken a lot longer to get to where we're at now because now you you saw you saw sport you know like i would see gambling articles from sports writers these 23 year old warren deadspin guys you would see them have gambling articles where they're like i think houston's gonna lose because they're that's a racist team and you're like or, or like okay are you retarded like seriously though like no seriously like you might be the most retarded person in the world if you if you actually think that right because, money people, on your people fucking... would say oh stunning and stunning and brave stunning and brave thank you for saying that, brave, you, yeah. that, that you think that you know oh and oh pittsburgh's gonna lose because did you know that ben roethlisberger raped somebody it's like they're not going to, and then they would win and they'd go Psh, i mean that's that's how football is. i mean football sucks because the winners are rapists and you know i don't know then, yeah I don't know what angel of discourse shielded me from actually seeing articles where people made gambling predictions based on their woke tardiness, but that's, I, I, some, I, somehow I didn't venture into that maybe because I just ignored sports writing altogether starting around 2012, but like in general, it's just the whole industry of the whole media, you know, you can't, we can't really even talk about this without acknowledging how the entire media industry around 2008 transformed into the kind of digital fortress that 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 we've seen uh in the last decade where print was going out everything was going out they didn't know how to monetize and somehow this all kind of like this all kind of created this avalanche that resulted in the race to the most insane woke tarted take on every single thing and every single subject sports sports first of all and it's like the blog economy spurred it i mean somehow we we all remember when deadspin was funny and it was like yeah. a boys room and it was like you know i mean it was pure it was a it was a the voice of the fan it went from being the voice of the fan to being the voice of an nyu grad who's making 30 dollars an article posting shit that tries to that that tries to find racism under every single audible and it's like audible this this literally you're 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 screaming racism about the one area that for decades 
has been truly like racism free. I mean, in any way that counts, like this is the one thing where you'd like, oh, you turn on the TV, 90% of the NBA players are black because they're good. Like no one's getting a leg up because of their race in sports. And they, they still have to tear that down too. Like this yeah. one sacred, you know, like there was the military first that was race neutral um, mm-hmm. in, in American history. And then it was sports following like, basically following whatever, wherever, whatever point you want to, yeah, yeah. yeah following Jack, you know, or you can put it a little bit later and like, okay, it took a while for actual yeah, black like players 60s. to get as much yeah. in the sixties or whatever. Like you following, you know, Lou Alcindor to UCLA and all right, right, right. And it's like, and, and Arthur Roop getting humiliated and then finally recruiting black players at Kentucky or whatever. But it has been like 50 years of, Oh, this is truly a place we can go. Not, not only watching, but playing like when you're playing, when you're growing up in a very diverse environment as i did and you play basketball nonstop as i did you're playing with everybody and the only thing that matters is how good somebody is yeah. and also the kind of personality with which they play you know like yeah. are they are they hot are they hogging the ball or are they not you know it's like it all it all speaks for itself and that language of speaking for itself through physical action of course had to be dubbed by a bunch of fucking stupid sports little type typist people from uh from college yeah the uh and it's funny too because you'll see now it's actually not that profitable too either like it's like it's as far as in sports because espn cannot put two and two together espn has gone like full-on woke right like it's gone full-on just like okay how many black women can we cram on the sports program uh you know round table for the nba like we're gonna have wnba players only talking about the nba no ex-nba players maybe we'll have you know max kellerman on there like who had to watch coming america the night before they started filming so where he could make a a reference that maybe black people would laugh at um and then you (laughs) you would see like, like, yeah, you'll see like, like somebody on, on ESPN, like a, like a black woman will just be like, yeah, I think, uh, I think, I think that the Pacers, uh, the Pacers fouled too much today. And they'll be like, Maria, I love your work. That's fantastic work, Maria. Like they'll, they'll say that. And it's, it's, it's clearly a calculated thing because, and, and a lot of people, and guess what ESPN had to do in the last four years, they've had to lay off more staff than they've ever had to do. Even when ESPN was a failing network in the early eighties, they didn't have to lay off this much, many people. And it's like, you, you start to realize like, okay, there's some deeper shit going on here to where like, this is just like programming thing to where it's almost feels subsidized, right? Like that to where it's not even like, there's no way that like, if you were in under like supply and demand, this is, there's no demand for what you're watching right now on ESPN. There is no actual <laughs> real demand because those people who are woke like that don't actually like sports. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, people don't like sports. Um, they don't, they've never followed it. And, you know, they get they would get the most they would the most the closest they would come to, to following sports is when they would like performatively pretend to like soccer uh, during, a particular, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, go Mexico, fuck like Team USA. You're like, what? Like, yeah, they do shit like that. And it's like and as you know, as someone who played who who who's who reached his athletic peak as a goalkeeper, I w- I've I've not been a performative anti soccer person as it is popular to be in like in, in the you yeah. know, various when the World Cup comes around. But I, I'm not, I, I'm not, you can't fool me into thinking you're a sports fan because you pretend to like soccer for three weeks out every four years. Like that's not, that's not what being a sports fan is about being an absolutely hopeless, uh, fanatic retard who yes. is emotionally intent tied into something that doesn't matter in by any real metric, but which somehow you have been, 
uh, psyoped into believing is life and death. That's what being a sports fan is about. If you're in any way detached, fair weathered, or like performative in your allegiances, you're not a sports fan. You're 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 a nobody. Get out of my way. I'm trying to watch the fucking game. Because if UCLA loses again, guess what? It's the glory hole for me. So that's why, like, I, you know, I, I, it was res- like from every corner. And this goes into a lot of other areas of two. I don't know how, you know, in the weeds you guys get with various things, but like just we're in the season, college football bowl season where mm-hmm. a bunch of players now opt out of bowl games. Thank you for bringing this up. Right. So they opt out of bowl games based uh, even like the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. You got all these players who opt to don't play. Cause it, so they can preserve their health for the NFL draft. Um, this is a phenomenon that started a few years ago. I don't even know exactly when, but it's been like literally a handful. It's within, within the last four years or so. And it's every single commentator and every single like liberal fan has to rush to defend all the players who opt out of playing <laughs> in the bowl game. Yeah. But they have to do it because otherwise you're a racist. Otherwise, if you think that for some reason, if you think that it's it's like loyalty would demand that a player play in a, the bowl game, which is the purpose of the sport in yeah. which he is attempting to make a profession, which doesn't mean anything beyond fans caring about it. Like mm-hmm. there is no such thing as a real game or a real like this doesn't count. This isn't like all games are fake. There are fabricated events that we are investing emotionally in for purposes of mythology. If you yes. if you start to like if you start to be a bean counter about that it's pretty soon the magic will be completely spilled out nothing none of it will matter and that's i think that's been, that's happening in sports as we speak the magic is bleeding out of sports the magic has bled out of movies and you know all these other things we're ta- all these other cultural like it's all about bleeding out the magic man that's so sad about players forfeiting foregoing bowl games that's yeah. like i can't imagine anyone deciding to do that and it's like oh yeah the the guy that decided not to play in their bowl game he's going to be a great nfl investment he's really going to care when yeah when the game is on the line like fuck no you know well okay let me let me let me i i I agree with both of you but let me give you the devil's advocate part of it just so we so we cover this part of it um the you it started with okay there's two reasons i think players miss bowl games one jaylon smith was a is a was a linebacker for notre dame that's my school i'm a notre dame fan armenian don't even say anything i don't want to hear about it i don't want to hear any notre dame hate because i feel like if you're a ucla fan you probably don't like notre dame nobody does we're on an island no conference totally fine but the uh (laughs) what happened with jaylon smith right again against ohio state and i want to say this was probably what 2017 maybe uh, around that time is he tore his knee like an acl but he also had like ligament damage and he literally cannot cut anymore he cannot change directions he can only run in a straight line speed he is on his third team in the nfl right now and and that was torn in a bowl game, a non-college football playoff game. So my issue is the college football playoff fucking sucks because it has reduced sure. the Rose Bowl doesn't matter anymore because of the college football yeah. playoff, right? Like the yeah. BC, yeah. There, we didn't have this problem when it was just BCS computers picking the national championship game because the bowl game still meant something. You still had that. You still had players like, yeah. hey, you know what? If I go play in the Rose Bowl, I might get taken fucking third overall rather than second round pick or something like that. But now the Rose Bowl, even though this last game, electric, amazing game uh, that just happened. Yeah. 
was it was an awesome game. It still was great. You were missing Garrett Wilson from that game. Four top Ohio State players in that game, and I believe Utah was missing one one top player in that game. If I'm not mistaken, you had you you've had this is what that that all comes with. So I understand if you are a protected, I am guaranteed to go top ten, but that's only ten players. Right. That's only yeah. 10 players to go. I'm not going to be. I, hey, I, I get it. This game doesn't mean anything because of the stupid college football playoff where somehow Alabama still always fucking wins. Right. It doesn't actually <laughs> take away the the mystique or doesn't doesn't chop down dynasties like people think it will because they have a Nick Saban problem in the in college football. Right where he just literally is the Walmart of college football. He, he just will own you. He will destroy your mom and pop store. It's not going to happen. He will find, he will go, he will get guys from Compton, take them away from UCLA, UCLA and, U, and USC, which is why I think recruiting should be more territorial now. Um, anyways, to close this rant up, yeah. that is the devil's advocate case of it is that these guys are, they, these guys are protecting themselves as products. I mean, I don't disagree. There's no disagreement. There's no, this is not a, um, you know, this is not like a comparison of mm-hmm. of arguments. It's like it's 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 just two totally different belief systems clashing. And one of them is that. One of them is that the entire value of something like sports mm-hmm. comes from the ineffable magic of our investment in it as this mythological thing like that that's literally the whole that that's all we're talking about here like that's without that we're just playing pickup games on a field and it's not a multi-billion dollar industry it's not a multi-billion dollar industry if it doesn't involve allegiance fan allegiance and and all the Mm -hmm. things that come with that right Mm -hmm. so on a micro level sure there's always a everyone has is justified in protecting their knee from an extra added risk when they've got guaranteed money headed their way. I get it. But the question is, what do you, what is lost when the, like, you know, you grow up as a kid when I was growing up and I was in the deluded state of thinking that I could, you know, wanted to be a NBA player um, despite being Armenian and having very mediocre handles and not being very tall. Like, I, I dreamt of, okay, I dreamt of playing for UCLA. I've dreamt of winning a championship for UCLA. I dreamt of all these things. I can't conceive, and this is just, you know, old boomer me, who's not a boomer, but still like this is right. boomer brain talking. Like I can't conceive of having reached that point. And because of yeah. a potential risk to my knee by playing in a championship game, not yeah. playing in it. Like, and that doesn't right. happen in basketball. Nobody ever does that, obviously. But I'm right. just saying the logic is there. It's like, well, at a certain point, if you if everything is a calculation and nothing mean and there's no um, there's no intrinsic meaning to anything and it's just a calculation, uh, like at a certain point, the entire it's the magic will be bled out of the whole fucking thing and no one's going to care yeah. and you're not going to have any money to make in the NFL because no one's going to care or it's going to become legally you know like the concussion thing will take over you know we've all we've seen one thing after another attempt to completely cripple the meaning of sports over the last 10 years, there was a concussion thing. There's the, you know, there's the college thing now with players get, whether they should get paid or not, blah, blah, blah. It's been one after another, after another. And to me, I stand on the sideline. I'm like, I get it. I get it. You want to make the most money. You want to be safe. You want to be healthy. You want to have the best health, blah, blah, blah. But at a certain point, 
the cost is going to come and it's going to come all at once. And you're going to realize that nobody gives a shit anymore. (laughs) Yeah. I actually, I, 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 that's an interesting thing. Like it's almost like a trickle up instead of trickling down, like slippery slope, trickling down, it's trickling up from college to the NFL. Or it's like, I didn't, I don't, I don't have any interest in in you as a college player. I don't have any interest in you as an NFL player. Right. Like it's also, I think, which is something interesting about this was that, you're seeing people now that like, cause last year you had in 2020, you had the COVID opt out. And I think this is only, this is the, you had a lot of players opt out of, of COVID because I, they didn't want to catch COVID from a, from a college football game. Like a lot of times, and it is not helping our case with what we're saying right now. It's not helping our case that in the NFL, you are seeing the offensive rookie of the year and the defensive rookie of the year are more than likely going to be guys who opted out of their of their final season in college and still went to the NFL and played really well. <laughs> so we are not going to be like we are not going to be in good shape there. Like it's going to suck. No, no. Yeah. There's yeah. no yeah, the, no that there's no uh there's no stopping this and there's no yeah. reversing it, you know. It's just it's just a matter of how how powerfully you can bitch about it. Cuz if there's one thing that is the right of every sports fan. It's to bitch and to yeah. bitch loudly about certain things like referees and players being dumb and disloyalty. Like th- this is part of the part of the fun is that you get to bitch. And so I'm like, yeah, if you, you know, the pro- now one thing is like, there's a whole bunch of NFL fans who don't give a shit about college. So to them, it's yes. meaningless what yes. any of these people did in college. Beta, beta I don't get, I'm personally, I'm on the college side of things hundred percent. I don't give a shit about the NFL. Right. I enjoy watching the games and the playoffs, whatever, but I'm a college football right. fan all the way. Cause it's got a million times more story and narrative to it. It's got a million. If to me personally, I mean, there was no fucking team in LA when I was growing up for 20 right. years. Like, so fuck the NFL. I don't care about the NFL. You didn't, switch over, to the Rams. To you didn't switch over to the Rams. I'm not the lab. I was eight years old or nine years old when the Rams left. I ain't you cannot leave me, right? And then come back as a 45 year old cougar and expect me to take you back in. Sorry, bitch. So, no to the Rams. No, I did briefly, I briefly cheered for the Raiders like my first two years of being a conscious fan. There you go. There you go. Then they moved. Then they moved, and I was like, fuck the Raiders. You know, I'm like, I'm not, you can't again. So, I have no, I don't care about the NFL as a, you know, emotionally, but college to me is way more interesting because you've got 120 teams. They all have like little, they all have histories and they all have rivalries and they all have like style. There's a lot of stylistic difference that I still, that I, I just, I think it's, there's just a lot more going on. Um, but regardless, yeah, I mean, it's like, okay, everything, like the, everything is going to be optimized. This, this, this bleeds into our money ball conversation too. Yes. Like everything is being optimized, optimized, optimized on the spreadsheet now and we've been psyoped into believing that there's no human cost to this but there is mm. there is the things don't mean as much anymore and now we're at the point where like in baseball because of moneyball which i was an ardent supporter of as a dodgers fan who always had the stupidest fucking general management to deal with doing making the stupidest decision my entire youth and the ned dodgers Collette, sucking. ned coletti or, or ned coletti and, and <laughs> you know the, the the last the latter years of mr eclair yeah uh forget his, all this shit and it's like um you know it's like i i had dealt with this non-stop like just illogical foolish foolish management of the dodgers i was a big money ball booster and 
we've reached a point now where you literally cannot have an argument about baseball as a fan. It's a completely, it's completely irrelevant because the stats tell you everything you need to know. And there's no mystery left. Yeah. Zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, b- before we move on to that, I just have one thing to say, just one thing to say, because I think another thing that is, has transpired from the woke aspect and to the player investment, I am pro player. Uh, the team are horrible uh, sharecropper capitalists that, that whip the players and, and it's horrible. Uh, the worst, the worst thing I'm seeing now is the mental health thing. I'm going to say this on record right now. I don't give a shit about athletes, mental health. <laughs> I don't give a fuck yeah. at all. I saw Antonio Brown melt down the other day. Right. He melted down. He took his fucking all his clothes off and just left in the middle of the game. Um, a couple outcomes would happen there. Um, even 15 years ago, a couple outcomes would happen. One, uh, he would never play again because a coach would be like, no, that guy sucks. Fuck him. Get them the fuck out of here. Or he would come back to play wearing like Joker makeup or something. And it would be like a whole thing, a spectacle like this guy's wild. He's insane. He's like Terrell Owens. He'll fucking or Joe Horn. He'll put a cell phone in the in the uh, goalpost and celebrate or eat a bunch of popcorn. Right. With fans like that would have been the two outcomes outcomes of it but now it's we have to look out for antonio brown's mental health we have to look out the best gymnast female gymnast of all time um just decided to up and quit the olympics got athlete of the year in time magazine yeah. um for, for respect, quitting. Respect, quitting. Respect. now did she quit did she quit <laughs> did she quit the tour that she did um around uh, the gymnastic tour at like you know the kind of fun exhibition tour that she did no she made all the money off that that was not mentally uh grading on her at all it was just the thing that was required for you to push yourself in the limit to the limit to compete and win something that was the problem that she had that was the thing she couldn't handle therefore she is athlete of the year because she couldn't handle the thing that you do as an athlete um and that's i'm sorry i was just a brand i've never i've we haven't really spoke on that yet and i hate i fucking hate this mental health thing i hate i i'm sorry you're an athlete you're supposed to you are supposed to be better than me at every single thing including being mental you know being a little mentally ill and still going about your day well it's 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 like it's just it, it takes us back into it's all part of the um, it's all part of the kind of like woke virtue uh, Christmas package, mm-hmm. which is that it's that you're supposed to gain more pleasure from affecting virtuous, op- virtuous opinions and virtuous concern and empathy, none of which actually matters and none of which actually has an effect and none of which is real. You're supposed to get more out of that than you are out of enjoying somebody doing something great on an Olympic stage. Like this is the part of the new, because, because we can see why, like we can see why you can, you can feel virtuous 365. Like if this is your thing is to find the next thing to feel more. And by the way, feeling virtuous, it's a relative thing. It's like, I feel I'm, I feel I'm a better person than the kind of people who expect Simone Biles to fucking, (laughs) Uh, to fucking land a land, uh, stick a landing. Like I'm the better person because I'm concerned about her mental health. You're nobody. You're nothing. You're you can't. You have no effect on her mental health. Her mental health means nothing because she is a human sacrifice who has been curated from the birth to be an Olympian. Like mm-hmm. all she's done in her yeah. entire life is gymnastics. This is the entire purpose of her existence, not to be another uh, a Hulu face on some sort of a <laughs> publicity campaign for anxiety, a fake female medical issue or whatever it is that yeah. she suffers from. Like, at who, like it's so, it is so cheap. It is so 
depressing. It's so demoralizing and it's so lame and it's so boring. And this is becoming like, it's, it's, it's like this idea of the commodification of empathy is so transparent and, and such a problem. <laughs> like it's ruining everything. The yeah. one purpose of being an Olympian is to do the Olympics, which happens once every four years. You get like yeah. two cracks at it in your entire life. You have yeah. two cracks, three yeah. if you're lucky. Like, and you're just going to sit it out because yeah. of the pressure. That yeah. is not, no, 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 no. Yeah. Olympic, it's a gladiator sport. That is the reason we care. Mm. If you're not going to be gladiator, if you're not going to sacrifice yourself for the yeah. glory of, uh, of greatness, you, you mean nothing to me. And I have no, I don't, why, why should yeah. I care about your fucking mental health? Exactly. And, and I hate that because nobody does. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like if you watch sports, there's no way you give a shit. And if it's if you have a vested interest in that person, the minute you find out somebody on your team has like a little mental breakdown, you're like, I fucking hate this guy. And like, <laughs> yeah, work, and you'll be at work. Right. Like it doesn't even translate to like their own life. I bet you if their coworker has a quote unquote mental breakdown, they're like, I saw that coming. That guy fucking sucks. He's a fraud. You know what I mean? It never, it never, it never actually like trickles down to their real life. It's always like, it's always like the, the, oh, I love Simone Biles, but my coworker who called out, she's a whore. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. She's, a, she's a yeah, whore. Yeah. Oh, she's like, she doesn't oh, have he's her having a meltdown. He's yeah. having a meltdown. Yeah. She doesn't or, have her kid this you know, weekend. Like, yeah, she doesn't have her kid this weekend. She's lying that her kid's sick. Her baby daddy has her kid. I, I saw on Instagram. You know what I mean? Like that. <laughs> I've seen that happen in the flesh from the same person who will say Simone Biles does not owe you anything. Yeah, she doesn't owe me anything. I don't owe her a fucking award. That's the thing. She doesn't get an award. <laughs> like, I don't know. We don't know her that. Like, we, we didn't vote on that. If you let us vote on athlete of the year, she wouldn't have even been top fucking 80. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's just ridiculous, man. Like so, yeah, I don't yeah. Know. And then, and also, women shouldn't be athlete of the year to begin with. Let's just be. I'm not gonna push oh, back. Let's be. I'm not gonna, I'm push, not gonna back. push. Let's be straight up on that. Why is there? A, that Jenny, Finch, part Jenny of the Finch was the best. Jenny Finch was the best female athlete I ever saw, and she never won anything. So you know, I, like she was a softball pitcher. She was unbelievable, and that's all good. Golfers, maybe. I, and you know what? I stand softball pitchers because they are cool. What they do is unique. They have that. Yeah. that us uh, that wind up that like you know that that it circular rocks. wind up only women can do it cool only women yeah. can do it yeah only women can do it i love that so i i you know i'm i am not a fan of women's sports in it, any form except yeah. for you're not a the softball guy? pitcher no the WNBA is <laughs> fucking I, i've been like yeah I've been <laughs> oh my god yeah, yeah. no the wm that was like the first that was the that was sort of the granddaddy of all the sports psyops was absolutely. like absolutely cheryl Swoops. subsidized league that Cheryl loses swoops. money. Mm-hmm. Cheryl fucking swoops. The uh, glorious Steinem of sports. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like having this, having this like lesbian shadow league that just bleeds, <laughs> loses money. For it's just so weird. It was just such a weirdly pointless exercise. And then you get rid of the lesbians because you have trannies everywhere. You get rid of the lesbians, so now you force men to watch the WNBA, right? Which but is the never- amazing thing is that no, yeah. what nobody ever talks about. And, and I don't talk about because I don't like talking about lesbian sexual affairs, but literally nonstop like player coach affairs in the WNBA. Like yeah. this has been an ongoing thing that nobody talked, but it's like, on the other hand, everybody knows there's <laughs> endless amounts of sexual hanky panky among these lesbos in the WNBA, uh, which if it were to ever anything like that were to ever approach the men's sports, you know, it'd be this major scandal because somebody, 
somebody like kissed a reporter in the locker room. Right. This is like an ongoing thing in the WNBA. <laughs> yeah. Diana Taurasi just gave the shocker to her fucking teammate and it didn't matter. Yeah. It's it's like- a, yeah. I mean, it's like, it is like it's like it is a it is a scissor factory in those locker rooms. <laughs> scissor me timbers and shit. Yeah. No, the, uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. The WNBA is horrible. It should have Benny Hill music or circus music the entire time while the game is playing because it's literally just women falling down and missing shots. And and like they're like, oh, she led the league in three point percentage at twenty three percent. Yeah, yeah, twenty three percent. She was on fire. We we put a, a halo fire ring around her head, CGI, because she was, just couldn't miss. Uh, one out of they five. should just let. Yeah, they should let the WNBA MVP be decided by Queen Latifah, the most aggressive <laughs> of butch lesbians in Hollywood. And and then I would be more interested. You know, like I'd, I'd like I'd like to see I'd like to see them lean into the one thing that's actually actively happening in the WNBA, which is uh, uh, unbridled uh, chick on chick lust. Yeah, let it go. Just let it just let it go all out like rollerball style too. just like fucking lean into it, baby. Lean into it. Okay, Moneyball. You brought up Moneyball earlier. Let's get into it now. Um, actually, my co-host and I are Oakland A's fans. We are Oakland A's fans. Ah, from, are, from the Moneyball era. A's, A's and Dodgers it. is a pipeline. There's A's and Dodgers yeah, is a rivalry. Yeah. We both hate the fucking Giants. Yeah, dude. So, like, yeah. It, there's there's a mutual love of that. <laughs> the they, Giants, dude. That oh, I was born two years after Kirk Gibson's uh, performative fake injury home run. I was born two years after that. So, it, that's fine. I, that doesn't You're a young my man. Mind. Doesn't weigh I on my mind. I was three when it yeah, yeah doesn't weigh on my mind my mom hates it my mom's a huge ace fan she's like it's the worst thing i've ever seen or <laughs> i will say that in that world series oral hersheiser doesn't get any credit he actually won that world series not kurt gibson that was game one did, yeah he that was game one. every game <laughs> that was game one kurt gibson at that home yeah. game one yeah like it was you know i mean it's just very it's very cool it's very awesome but like oral hersheiser anyways the Moneyball situation that is the, the prime example of the slippery slope existing right because Moneyball itself should have been a really cool reference in baseball, a reference, right? A team should have been like, hey, let's compare what I see with my eyes and my spreadsheet, right? And we're going to match the two. If there's a huge discrepancy, yeah. maybe one of them is wrong, right? Maybe one of them is wrong. But now you're seeing, no, 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 no. I There is a thing, and I'm, I'm going with baseball, but this is actually bleeding into every sport. Uh, just because baseball is the nerd sport, this is going to be the place that gives birth to this type of satanic stuff, is you are going, you, you see... People are trying to literally there's a cool guy analytic thing to phase out MLB head coaches like they don't want head coaches anymore. They want algorithm based lineups, algorithm based pitching changes, um, stuff like that to where they don't even want head coaches because they believe that head coaches just are in the way of greatness, which sucks, dude. Like, are you kidding me? Like, you don't think Sparky Anderson's fucking cool. You don't think like all these guys, you know, Tommy Lasorda, all these like amazing coaches like that's part of the game. They're part of the legend. Like Earl Weaver, like picking up second base and throwing it and spitting at the umpire, <laughs> but then winning a World Series. You know what I mean? Being the same guy that did that, Billy Martin, you know, all these guys. But now you want everything written by a spreadsheet. And Charles Barkley was, gets a lot of hate, but Charles Barkley said, nerds don't need a job in sports. And I fucking agree. <laughs> I didn't know he sent one of these. Uh, no, he just, he was just like, I, because the NBA cool. is getting analytics. And for a while, a lot of black dudes were just like, nah. You know what I mean? Like when they, when they would draw out the spreadsheet, they were like, they're like, no, yeah. They, yeah, you're seven feet tall and you need to never touch the paint ever. You need to shoot three pointers. Like it's like, yeah. that was basically the thing. And Charles Barkley's like, what are you talking about? Like I'm a fucking hall of famer. And so I yeah. think that trickles down. He's like, we give the nerds a job and this is what happens right now. All of a sudden the nerds take our jobs, you know? And, and yeah. And he's got, a, and you know, he's again, it's like, 
your facts and logic brain yes. has no choice but to say that the but that the nerds are right that they're that you know all it's all very correct. I mean, it's more correct in sports than it is in any other field where nerds are taken over. Like actually, I mean, yeah, the the their the track record is much much better in sports actually than it I is agree. in right. I mean, so so because because it's because sports all because again sports is reality. Mm-hmm. So you can if you're if you're just discovering, and that's why I was such a you know I was all pro Moneyball. To me, it was like, whoa, this is so cool. Yeah. This is like a cheat. This code. isn't a repl- right. It's a cheat code, or it's like it's not even a replacement. It's just an upgrade. It's like, well, the stats that we thought were meaningful were not so much like wins and losses for a pitcher. You know, right, all the, right, like, right. like batting average and all this shit. These are just more accurate stats, which you can follow as closely as you followed the old stats just follow these stats instead that's what i that's what everyone thought michael lewis's narrative long form writing helped us yes. <laughs> helped us all get there cool. and and we were um we were obstinate and we were we were dismissive of the older generations and their mythological impulses the beauty con- remember the phrase the beauty contest like yeah. um mm-hmm. this oh, was in moneyball because like they would it would be so common for a scout to just talk about what a beautiful body and yes, perfect yeah, body yes, and yeah. swing a certain yeah. person had even though and, and you know overrating basically they, they would get they would fall in love with the potential the platonic potential of players who when you saw what they actually did with a bat and a ball didn't actually live up to it and which of is course, exactly what know, billy bean was as a player that's the crazy thing exactly you know, that was the yeah. beauty of the, exactly he was a beautiful player who never lived up to his potential mm-hmm. and so he turned on his own failed uh on his own disappointment basically and he yeah. created the equation around it um and so it's it's, a, it's a, actually it's a fascinating story i mean the whole evolution yeah, yeah. of this but it's undeniable like i have to say I was wrong because like now who gives a shit about baseball? It's become, it's become like a simulated computer game where numbers are playing on numbers and you don't, you know, you're not sitting there thinking, does this guy, is he going to be a fucking pussy? And, and in this huge moment, fuck up and not even get the bat on the ball, not even make contact so so that they can sacrifice the guy. in. like all the things that you would invest every moment of baseball with so much importance and drama now are like, well, you got to be a grown up about it. Now you have to be a grown up all the time and be like, well, yeah, you can't expect him to, you know, it's all numbers, you know, right. even though he fucked up in this clutch situation, clutch doesn't mean anything. Uh-huh. Right. Like they've yeah. erased clutch as a thing. Yeah. Derek like, Jeter wouldn't what... be good anymore. Yeah. No joke. Like he wouldn't uh-huh. be like, like he would be like just a solid player that p- you'd get like the smirking Wojak guy. If you thought Derek Jeter was the best player in the game, you'd get like a, like a smirking Wojak guy going like, <laughs> Whoa, have you seen his war? You know, like, yeah. you know, you, you'd get that guy, but you're like, no, this guy has clutch hit after clutch hit. And in the NFL, it's the same way in the NFL. You, there's a big thing now where, and it's happened. It's come back to bite the analyst community this year because there have been a lot of games lost instead of playing for the tie. Right? If you're say you're, it's you you tied you have the chance to tie the game at 31 with an extra point. You then you have seen teams like the Baltimore Ravens go for a two point conversion. Right? To where if they get the two point conversion, they just flat out win the game. 
But if they don't get it, they lose by one point because they didn't kick the extra point. And that has like backfired. I don't care what the percentage is. I will say you have to take the L's, right? If you're the statistic guy, you have to take the L's. If that play does not work out, that is against analytics. I'm sorry. I don't care if it's a chance game. I I needed that play to win this one game in a 17-game season, right? It does not matter if you extrapolate over that over a 10-year span. I need to win right now. You know what I'm saying? And like that is why... You know, clutch, I still value very much. And you can see it with your eyes, right? You can see the clutch w- with your eyes. You could, you knew certain quarterbacks were going to buckle and threw that interception on that last drive. You know certain guys um, are going to strike out with the bases loaded, right, in two outs when you need to get a single, right? No fucking, you know, you're not going to work a walk. You're not going to um, fly out. You know, your exit velocity, your awesome exit velocity to right field isn't going to score the run. Like, it doesn't matter, you know. And <clears throat> and I, I, you see that bleed into other things. Like, I think, I think you know, uh, there's money ball in film now, right? Wouldn't you say that? Yeah. Like, oh, like yeah. you, you would imagine money like in TV and film now. Like it's the Netflix least... is money yeah. ball. Exactly. It's all money ball. Yeah. Yeah. Please go on. Yeah. It's, Fuck it's, that it's, shit. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's insane. Like you are seeing that now it's like, maybe that was always heading that way. Right. Maybe these aren't, these are, this is two isolated incidents that just look the same now, but it is now you are trying, you are basically letting like the IDW, fucking run you know <laughs> sports and fucking art man that's not good i don't like yeah. i don't even hate those guys man but like you just i do your thing dude like i these the, you're very much getting the well actually guys are running everything yeah 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 and you know the question is always well what can you do about it and the question and like well can, you know is this what it, is it inevitable well it's inevitable that something that starts and that clearly works is going to keep going in that direction, right? Like it's inevitable that if Netflix, you know, implements an algorithm and it starts to work, they're just going to keep going. It's just going to like, it's going to keep on going. The only thing I can see to oppose it all. And this is where the world of, you know, completely um, unpredictable podcasts come in and voices and all this other shit it's when it's when powerful voices rise to make a different case and to say no actually that's fake and gay and this is better yeah. and this is better and this is better and now let's start to do this other stuff because it's cool and it's better you have to just like life is this endless war of this endless clash of 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 voices and of personalities and of visions and uh, you know i i can only I can only scream mine from the mountaintops or implement it uh, subliminally in other stuff that I do. Um, That's all I can see. Like, I can't find, there's no, I'm not going to sit down with Ted Sarandos and say, hey, Teddy, maybe you should ignore the numbers a little bit because all your stuff is shit. Like, all the stuff you put out is shit and everything that's associated with the Netflix name, which used to be really exciting and cool, but five years ago, is now garbage right. is now all completely garbage um and 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 like milk toast garbage so i i don't know if that, that argument i don't know if that discussion is there to be had i think that what you just yeah. have to do is find a, a find a new plot of land right where you can you know the uh, the new america of <laughs> of yeah. whatever then you know where you can displace some um some you know maybe some people that are living there pointlessly and you know build a beautiful grand casino that operates by different by different math yeah 
And also, like, you know, even because I, I remember we, I don't want to uh, uh, skip talking about this either, because I, I, I think this it's such a Swiss army knife, this this analytics spreadsheet thing, especially for sports, but also for film. It also works that way, too, is that you are able to effectively erase history with it. Right. Like you are. A, a, of course, you are, you are able like, OK, Ty Cobb. Right. We're talking about Ty Cobb in baseball objectively amazing baseball player like uh, like amazing you're talking about a guy i mean pete rose broke his record right like for for most hits um and both guys are erased from history even though they were both incredible players um and you you see that now you can you can the thing is about analytics is they are objective but you are able to cherry pick within that field to make a certain player pick better. And I'll give an example of this. And, and anybody that doesn't follow sports, I mean, I don't care if nobody listens to this fucking show. This is exactly the conversation I wanted to have um, about this. And <laughs> I'm glad you were here. I'm glad you were. A, when you when uh, when you reached out and you said you had these ideas, like, you know, what, this is fantastic. Like, this is perfect. But you like you'll see there was a year where Miguel Cabrera and Mike Trout were fighting for the MVP. Right. And it was the analytics were in favor of. Uh, like the advanced analytics were in favor of Mike Trout, who was like almost a rookie at that time winning the MVP. But Miguel Cabrera won the fucking triple crown. Like, I'm sorry, the triple crown in baseball is where you have the highest batting average, most RBIs, most home runs like that hadn't been that hadn't happened since like Ted Williams or some shit. Like it was a long time. Yeah. So like to me, I just automatically hand him the MVP and he was on a playoff team, too. So I, I my my I have to have the MVP be on a playoff team because what is your value if your team isn't good? Yeah. Honestly, like it just it's uh, Mike Trout. I don't believe the Angels made the playoffs that year. They never do. They suck. They're a horrible team. But the the then there was another guy. Then you had the real well actually guy to go. Well, actually, uh, Kevin Kiermeyer had the highest war for the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, so if you were to take Tampa, uh, Kevin Kiermeyer off the Rays, they would have gone from 60 wins to 24 wins. They suck either way. And Kevin Kiermeyer is not the fucking MVP. I'm sorry. There's no scenario where you could ask anybody that knows anything about sports to say that Kevin Kiermeyer, who is a, probably a top 65 player at the time, maybe. Right. This would this would be like this. This would be like Sam Cassell winning an MVP, NBA MVP. You know what I mean? During the time, like it just yeah. wouldn't have, it just wouldn't have happened. He's a fine player, a good player, a guy you'd always want on your team. He's not an MVP in sports. And you are able to erase history at that point because you could. Oh, Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb. He's a racist. Guess what? Ty Cobb beat up a yeah, retarded yeah, yeah. guy with his cleats uh, one time. He's a racist. I don't care. He had fucking 4,000 hits, dude. Like it, it, you, you, but you are able to say like, well, actually he had a bunch of singles and technically home runs are actually, you know, with a way to go and uh, drawing walks. Ty Cobb didn't draw a lot of walks. So you are able to erase the mythology in sports with these analytics and you are able to take away some of the cool, like Carlton Fisk's home run, right? Like you're able to take away things like that, that are so amazing and ingrained in every good sports fans, you know, where your dad Kirk Gibson's you, home run, Kirk, which you just tried to Kirk, disparage. You know, you know, it's fair. You know, I did. You see, I did. It's all it's it's yeah, uh, the, the, I did. You got the me there. temptation is there. Yeah. The temptation is there to erase. No one man should have all that power. In the words in the words of Kanye West, no one man should have all that power. <laughs> I agree. They see that. Yeah. So, you know, like you're right. I mean, and we I mean, we're inundated with this kind of uh, history erasure in in terms of um, um, literature and movies because they're all we ever do is hear about how so-and-so all these great people, all these great white men are to be canceled uh -huh. because they had functioning penises or their skin was white, or they said <laughs> something that was perfectly, perfectly normal and pedestrian to say at their time in terms of racial awareness. Uh, and therefore the, 
their titanic achievements of imagination are to be discredited yeah. and and dumped and not and like and we are to be robbed of access to them like young people are to be robbed because they are insufficiently represented in them yeah. what you fucking little pieces and, of shit and, you're trying to fucking yeah yeah and you have and guess what i now have my spreadsheet of why this netflix model that's very safe very calculated very focus grouped is just as good because just as many people watch it you, you know what I'm saying? So like you now can, you can erase yeah, that history. Right. Now I can erase that history effectively, even though nobody likes oh, yeah. it. Don't look at Rotten Tomatoes because that's fascist. That's all the the Harvey Weinstein fans that are that are right. uh, that are you know all the transphobes, all the racists that are going on to Rotten Tomatoes and skewing uh, dear white people's Rotten Tomatoes rating and stuff. Like you are able to do that, right? Like it's it, it it's just you have that tool at your hand, and it's very powerful tool to to basically shape, you know, to make history start in like you know. 2001 post 9-11 and then really revamp up post 2016 you know like, oh yeah it's, well i mean it's a constantly it's a constantly regenerative starting date it's like we've gone history now starts like two years ago or five minutes like there's no because 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 the more bullshit that they have to in, generate in order to create interest in something the more like the more um uh uh, you know, I mean, in politics, we've seen this now. We reach a level of absolute hysterical uh, velocity where they have to invent, like January 6th, a completely new mass hysteria event every single few months. Right. And they, the only way to keep that, to keep the jig up, is to erase the previous event that didn't turn out to be the apocalypse that was promised. Like this has happened now like 20 times since Trump got elected. And we just have to like, you have the only way they can keep going is if they completely disable your memory. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's clear why this disabling of the memory, it's, it's the only way to say, well, this next thing that's coming up, this is the one, mm -hmm. you know, it, you have to be able to, to, to reduce uh, the viewer's ability to see the pattern of, of stupidity that it belongs to. And so that they can actually believe that this next, this next great uh, either, you know, if it's art, if it's an art thing, this next movie by a, by a mixed race, transgender, uh, uh, a pit bull, mm -hmm. uh, an actual pit bull has directed this one. <laughs> and this is a new level of, this is a new level of inclusive, diverse uh, representative uh, uh, directorial vision that we must all care about. So, doesn't matter if the movie's going to if the movie ends up gobbling up the audience and killing it in the theater that'll be wiped under the rug no one's going to remember it by the time the next movie by you know the next campaign so like yeah it's 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 a memory and that's and that's on the same token why when you do remember shit don't be afraid of the specter of nostalgia, because I think we're all afraid of that. We're all afraid, yeah. especially those of us who are getting on in years. I mean, I'm 36 and like I can't at this point, I've always been obsessed with the past and with old people and old things, old books, old movies, always like that's how I started. My love of everything was through old things, mm -hmm. music, too. Like I was never into anything new, which, you know, that's partly my fault. Like, I don't think that it's good to not be into anything new. And I was kind of biased against the new because I was so into the old. Right. But this is a defense mechanism. This is like a this is a valuable impulse to constantly treat treat the old, treat things that happened way in the past as if if they're great enough, 
they exist outside of time and they are permanent fixtures of reality. Yeah. That's the thing, the way to look at it. Like this isn't about, oh, I really loved it when movies were like this. No, no, no. This, that, this movie from the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, whatever. Yeah. This movie reached a place where it entered, it stepped out of its news cycle and it became a permanent fixture of uh, reality and history and it exists and it's real and therefore you must acknowledge it. Like don't, don't sacrifice, don't forsake it. Don't forsake it because you're being told that it's irrelevant by absolute fucking idiots yeah. who are trying to sell you some shit. Sorry. Beautiful. No, beautifully said. I, I think you're First. absolutely right. I grew up the same way. I'm, I was an only child. So like a lot of times during the summer, I got just left alone right in my house. Like just left alone. Parents worked and they would give me like my, my dad was a huge sports guy. He had all these VH. He would he would tape games because he wanted to remember history. He would tape games from the late 70s, tape tape games from the from the 80s, like playoff games. Right. He didn't know if his team was going to win or lose. He just wanted to have that on tape. If, if he would, they, uh, if randomly, if they lost the game, the tape didn't exist anymore. But, you know, you'd have <laughs> you'd have that thing. Right. So we'd I'd watch all that stuff. I'd learn who fucking Flipper Anderson was for the Rams. And people would be like, how the fuck do you know who that is? Well, I guess what? I know who that is because I, I learned about him from from somebody else. And um, and you're not going to get that anymore. And what I wanted to move on to, um, because I am going to make a racial territorial uh, assumption about you here, that you are probably a Kobe fan. Well, if I had the camera on, I would show you a ball that okay. he signed for me. Okay. Um, when I was 12 and my somehow through some raffle or whatever, I, my dad got me to be a ball boy for a day for the Lakers when I was 12. And, and so I got to so meet sick. him. Yeah. And, and so at the locker room, he came out, this was the, this was his second year and he had an Afro. This was the first year that he, right. that he I remember came the, out with the Kobe Afro. Af I remember the Kobe Afro. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, all my life up until, you know, uh, my hair started to thin out. Um, in my twenties, I, I sported quite the thick, robust Afro myself. Nice. <laughs> so he came out of that locker room and he saw me and he ran his fingers through my hair and what? he said, "Ah, oh, you got an Afro too. And that's a moment I shall cherish forever. All here. Kobe, you know, Kobe Damn. Bryant himself, 19 year old Kobe Bryant yeah. did that to my hair. So he, yeah, I, I have a ball here, which he signed which I'll post a picture of afterwards, but it's like it, at the time, I guess he was signing things and just like big Kobe. It just says Kobe with an eight. Yeah. And the reason I, I made the racial uh, assumption about you is because we have a decent amount of Armenians in the Bay area and they all like the fucking Lakers. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and when I was, and when I was growing up, I was a warrior fan. Now NBA is not my favorite sport, but I was a warrior fan. And uh, growing up in the early 2000s, the Warriors were ass cheeks, fucking garbage, horrible yeah. franchise, horrible franchise. And I hated the Lakers and I hated Kobe Bryant. Did I hate Kobe Bryant as like, oh, he sucks? No, he was put fear in my heart. He was the scariest human being I've ever seen with a basketball <laughs> yeah. playing against my team. He, he, he was just like and, and, and he would be like if you looked at his numbers at Oracle Arena in the Bay Area, he would go insane. I think he averaged like 38 a game in Oracle Arena and everybody here turned into a Laker 
fan and they still are like there still is a huge laker population in the bay area yeah. because the one the war the warriors could have done something to stop that by being simply good at basketball for a long time but they uh they were had horrible ownership but kobe at the time was was just so good and it was so i would root for the suns i'd root for the spurs in the playoffs i didn't give a shit i'm like we cannot have this this guy win another champion we just can't do it like he's just so good he needs to be humbled he needs to be taken down but in retrospect after he passed away and we are coming up on is it two years now that he's two years yeah it's gonna be two years like any day now the 26th um on the 26th of january so we were, were coming up on that soon and um when he it's kind of a meme but like once he died the world did turn to shit uh so it, you know, <laughs> shit, it, yeah 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 it was like, because, the, yeah, it, it was the like 20- the domino that began every all the bullshit yeah. that yeah yeah I so mean, once he fuck. died and just looking at looking at that and like you you do see people try to erase his history because of that night in colorado everybody's you know whatever like something happened I guess. but uh yeah i don't know uh, you know <laughs> maybe they, they some well i kind of do want you to get started on that but oh, give me a second you give, me a sec- get started. give me give me a second yeah the, 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 the people try to erase kobe's history right and kobe i yeah. will say i don't believe kobe's the goat i don't i don't say that i still think michael jordan is the absolute goat um i think kobe is better than lebron though um personally i, I think i i just and here's the thing everybody has stats about lebron you just if you watch both of them play kobe's fucking better if you watch their best games kobe is better than lebron like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, it, you don't have to have a stat sheet in front of you to figure that out. You don't have to debate anybody about it. If you watch Kobe, he was the guy taking the last shot in those games. He would clear everybody out. ISO one on one, your best guy against me. You could double me. It does not matter. I will do a fadeaway on you. It doesn't matter from mid range. Um, and, and so I just want you to know about, like, or want you to speak on the legacy of Kobe, both, both that night in Colorado and him as a player. Yeah. Okay. So I can go on forever about Kobe. Kobe was Kobe was a huge figure for me mm-hmm. um, growing up, and and yeah, he is like a he is he may be the last. I mean, the, yeah. he's the, certainly the only. The, he may be the last. He's certainly the last one I can think of. Um, like mythological hero of the city of Los Angeles. This is not a city that frequently uh frequently coalesces around a figure because it's so full of transients and it's so full of Mm -hmm. there's always the fans from other places and they moved here and they they retain their allegiance to their home team and shit so it's really people who are born here who are lakers fans in fact and if you're also if you're a hipster loser transient transplant you're going to root for the clippers if you're going to root for anyone local you're not going to root for the lakers um it's only if you're an immigrant or you're born here that you root for the Lakers. And therefore like the Lakers are like the national team of Armenia. Yes, and they for are. that respect, <laughs> yes. there is a dissertation to be written about, there's a dissertation to be written with the title old Armenian women and the Lakers. I have known so many extremely old Armenian women don't even know English who set their clocks to the Laker games, watch every single Laker yes. game together talk about it they don't they don't even know english like it's a thing um kobe is is an adopted son of such women and and a hero of such boys as myself and he was if you'll recall no player i'm aware of in any sport over the last 30 years has been as universally reviled outside of his outside of his uh uh, uh outside of his town 
than Kobe Bryant. Yeah. I can't. Can you think of any? I know. I hate not him. even LeBron. I fucking hated that guy, dude. You but hated a, him, but in a respectful way, though, like a fear. Like I feared him. Yeah. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and you know, yeah. I hated Jordan. This I'm, I started being a fan at the age of um, actually my first team. This is this is just a, a little bit a little quirky aside. Like before I became a Lakers fan, I was a Suns fan because of Charles Barkley and because yeah. I identified with Charles Barkley when I was like literally seven years old. And I identified with Charles Barkley because of his personality. And I, I changed my name. Like I would, I gave him a nickname from my own name in this weird way. Right, right, right. Uh, I had this whole thing about Charles Barkley, and it's because I, because the Suns that, that year were were the played the Bulls. Remember in the '93 yeah. Finals, mm-hmm. you were only three years old, but. I sure. was aware. I've watched that the entire like, finals. I've literally watched that. I like I love those like with Dan Marley fucking oh, you know, yeah, yeah, Dan yeah, yeah. Marley and yeah. and Danny Ainge was on that team too. Sure. Or Kevin Johnson. Team. Was it Kevin Johnson? Kevin KJ. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Kevin mayor mayor of Sacramento later. Yeah. And, yeah. Mayor of Sacramento who then got into some corruption shit or whatever. Yeah. And and uh, Mark West was like a backup center. And I ended yep. up going to middle school with his son. Wow. Um, wow. And uh and uh, yeah, and Tom Chambers was on mm-hmm. that team as well. Yep. He was quite good, uh, quite white. Um, and so I was, that was my first, my first year of being a fan was a Suns fan, da, 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 whatever. Okay. So it was because I was contrarian about Jordan. I was like an underdog about Jordan. I was like, yeah. Jordan seemed invincible. Yeah. Jordan seemed so good. It was wrong. And I, I had this obsession with rooting against Michael Jordan, which was not well rewarded because <laughs> no. I want a championship. <laughs> no. Every fucking year of my life that I was watching him, you know, yeah, it was crazy. So, but anyway, Kobe comes along and Kobe was just, even before the rape thing, the rape thing, the, I'm not gonna call it the rape thing, the Colorado, the night of Colorado revelry mm-hmm. the, for which he got in trouble. The Nuggets are a Western conference team too. That's not out of play here, by the way. I'm just saying, you know, Colorado, <laughs> you know, yeah. Little inner right. No, they're not same division, but you know, it's it's a conference thing. That's all I'm saying. Close enough. Yeah, you can't <laughs> trust. You can't trust. And you can't trust allegations out of fucking Colorado. Mile you high and a mile high. Yeah, exactly. What <laughs> mile high? What happens a mile high? What happens a mile high cannot be discussed at sea level. I agree. I hate so, those, bro. I hate them. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Fuck that. So, um. Anyway, so whatever altitude in this, uh, whatever high altitude revelry happened that night. Uh, you know, I mean, my God, if you were to, if you were to like parse it down, it's really, it's really, uh, uh, cloudy. And that was kind of used. That was kind of, that was kind of like the blood in the water. But before that, he'd already been completely, he'd been turned into this bad guy because he Mm -hmm. was selfish. He was, he was constantly presented as this selfish loner who was mean to his teammates, da, 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 da. He is this like Howard Rourke figure for LA fans. They always sided with him over Shaq because mm-hmm. Shaq, who was his lovable guy, but Shaq and you know, he just didn't like well, he wasn't drafted by the Lakers either. Yeah. Well, it, he wasn't drafted so there was that factor true. Now, the, I mean, the Lakers he was the reason they got Kobe because they were able yep. to trade Vladi Divac for the pick that got uh, the Warriors took that. Todd Fuller over Kobe Bryant. I just want to put that out there. Um, yeah, just, just not. Well, I mean, Kobe coming out, Kobe coming out of high school was far from like a, a far from a sure thing. It was a, it was a Jerry West, you know, his his piece of brilliance that he that he that he executed that for a Vladi Divac, the Serbian uh, chain yeah. smoker center mm-hmm. um, that I grew up watching. So anyway, Kobe was uh, this, is this loner individualist. Um, 
absolutely maniacally driven player who was constant who was constantly shaded by the by the media hated by everyone for being exactly who he was for being so relentless and for being so committed to 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 excellence and like this is he's a perfect figure for for LA he's a perfect figure for yeah if you want to live if you LA does not make sense to anyone unless it's a place where you are maniacally committed to excellence in whatever you're trying to do you know whether you're some immigrant who's trying to like establish a uh, a, a foothold in the, in America with your business or whether you're you know pursuing dreams in 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 the, in the world of Hollywood and show business and all that like he he really connects to the true LA person uh, the born and raised LA person and that's why they all we all worshiped him up until the very end there's no there's no I mean, he was like Magic Johnson is up there, too, because Magic Johnson was mm. was this like wizard. Like he, he played the yeah. game with artistry. Yes. And he even contracted AIDS through the magic of not having gay sex, which is not it's very really true. What happened. But you nothing know what I mean? Like happened it, there. nothing yeah. happened there. Another example of when journalists knew how to keep their mouths shut. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but Kobe. It's 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 and really he's so interesting as like this as as I can't think of anyone else who will ever capture uh, a city's kind of heart the way he did uh, this city's L.A.'s. I mean, talking about L.A. because it's just so hard for L.A. to rally around somebody, you know, um, it's it's a yeah. it's a standout situation with Kobe Bryant. Yeah, he was uh, he was the guy who, like. A, a, he, there was a big narrative about him was he doesn't pass. He doesn't. He doesn't. He just he you know, and why would he right when you retrospect? And, you know, I, I think one thing about Kobe is that he won. Right. He abs- he absolutely won. Right. When he got there, he, he won. I mean, it didn't happen every time. I mean, he lost. I, I believe they lost to Boston. What was that like? Oh, nine. Um, when they when they lost, he wasn't. He didn't have a perfect finals record. But like you look at guys now like LeBron. Right. Um, I'm a LeBron hater. It's fine. It's going to sound salty. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to talk about him through a, a hater lens. Um, but I will say, like, this is where we go back to the money ball analytics part of it. Um, nobody can use LeBron's objective losing finals record as stats anymore. Nobody's allowed to say that anymore, that he has lost more finals than he has won. Right. Nobody's allowed to say that anymore because now they're like, well, look at the numbers he put up in those finals. It doesn't fucking matter, dude. Like none of that yeah, shit yeah. matters. None of that matters. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, maybe was he on the best Cleveland teams early in his career? No, he was the one guy. He was clearly the best player at that time. Like, it's fine. But like these guys like Kobe and Jordan, who I Kobe and Jordan are the same fucking person, by the way. That's what people don't realize. Like Jordan's not a good team. Like watch, right? They're docu- very similar. There's a whole documentary about him not being a good teammate. Yeah, like, like he's a, a yeah. and this was always swept. Yeah. yeah, and I was always swept under the rug to make the point that Kobe's uniquely selfish yeah. or blah blah blah. Yeah, no, 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 no. A lot of these guys aren't. A lot of these like just enigma. Like I am so much better. I have this weird aura about me. Like a lot of these guys aren't good teammates. I mean, you saw it in like. In like music, you'd see like guys who were just tough to be in bands with, but they were just such like virtuosos and just so good that I mean, yeah, right. Just look at Scottie Pippen. He's like to this day, he is a he is just like his he's an his ego is permanently injured by the by how Michael Jordan treated him. And and like you saw, you saw that documentary, he is still haunted 
by the various events that in throughout their career together, where Michael Jordan, like Michael Jordan was disappointed in him, mm-hmm. you know, like Jordan had a, I, I don't know if any, I don't know if any player, any Kobe teammate who is permanently psychically damaged by Kobe, you Smush know, Parker. there was like a Smush Parker. Yeah. Who sucks <laughs> balls. Like yeah. his name is literally Smush Parker. He was horrible. Like that <laughs> sounds like a, like a guy his... playing the Globetrotters on the Washington Generals. Like my name's Smush Parker, and I'm here to lose. And even <laughs> even Shaq came back, came around on Kobe. And I, I'm not, I don't live in Shaq's mind. Yeah, obviously, but you know, it's pretty. I think that from what I could tell, I think Shaq came around on Kobe, and they had a lot. There was a lot of shit under that bridge, like mm-hmm. you know, between the two of them. Uh, Pau Gasol really kind of lit up as a Kobe teammate and Absolutely. they won two titles together. Um, you don't, for all the, for all the bitching, it doesn't seem like very many people were actually sore yeah. after their relationship with Kobe Bryant. <laughs> so I, I agree. Yeah. So like, you know, yeah. If you're going to be a low, if you're going to be a maniacally committed to excellence, um, uh, uh, a warrior, you're going to piss people off. You're going to be called a loner. You're going to be, mm-hmm. you're going to be disparaged because it's so easy to hate you when you're like that. But, it, you know, if you're from L.A., you kind of get it. And, and, and we all got it. And, you know, um, uh, fans of Howard Rourke would get it. And, and it's like, that's just, that's, that's, that's just what being committed to excellence can sometimes take the form of. Also, he has a fucking crazy background in terms of growing up. Yeah, his dad I mean, was his a whole, pro ball player and then played what Japan named after Kobe Italy. Beef. Oh, Italy. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was yeah, the Kobe beef is where he got the name for Kobe, name but they, he grew, basically grew up in Italy. So he's yeah. this kid who grows up in Italy and then like he's totally out of he's he's totally a, a, like a, no, a black sheep in terms of as an American kid um and and including in his his upbringing. He's he married that Latina his his like Latina high school prom date he married her at 18 against the wishes of his dad, who then stopped speaking to him. And he eventually had to buy a $4 million ring for her when the events of Colorado came to light. <laughs> yeah. But they ended up, they stayed married. They fucking stayed married. Mm-hmm. Like until his death. You know, I mean, there's so much to admire about this man. Yeah, I, it's it, it's one of those things where I feel bad that I don't really I didn't appreciate it till he passed away because I was legit sad and I didn't think I would be. But I'm just such an objective, like, even if I hate somebody, right? Like, even if I hate somebody, I can still understand them as being great, you know? And and that's a, that's a thing in sports that people just don't realize, right? Like, it, music maybe is the only thing you can you can maybe compare it to where you're like, okay, I hate this band. It doesn't sound good to me. But I understand that this is a very skilled musician that I'm listening to. This is a very right. skilled person. But sports is different because there's a final score and you're just like, well, this guy fucking wins, dude. This guy comes up clutch. He wins. He beats this person. Pink Floyd never played Led Zeppelin. They didn't battle each other. It wasn't like, you know, you didn't, you didn't see that the who never battled Led Zeppelin. You didn't, you didn't get that competition. Right. But you just were more of a tribal fan of one or the other and, and would, would use that against them. But like, the fact is, I'm like, I just, I witnessed a great player, a guy who, who was, just struck, put fear in your heart and just def- a guy that like just the fact that I was even into Amari Stoudemire that I was like, man, maybe Amari Stoudemire can take down Kobe. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> yeah, maybe, fat maybe chance. This, maybe this Swiss Army fucking insane Swiss watch Greg Popovich led Spurs team can take down Kobe. Yeah. Right? You know, may, which you know they got a little closer to that. But like you, you know, it took that type of team to take them down. But I would have never given a shit about that team. I would have never even like even temporarily been a fan of that team for a seven game series if it wasn't for the greatness of Kobe. Yeah, he's a he he fed you the hater raid. Yeah, I, you need you going that. You these, need that. The, you, you need yeah. villains. You need. Villains. And I came around on Jordan, obviously. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, not that I care. Not that that lasted that long because he retired pretty early in my life. But, uh, you know, I loved the documentary because the, the Jordan great. documentary because it was just took me to the t- to the nineties. It was just this beautiful tour of my own fandom in the nineties, and like just you know how it's something so pure about that. That whole thing. And and of course, he's he's another embodiment of greatness and it's unmistakable. And and it's like it's 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 something you can really, really root. for. It's healthy to root for. It's just healthy to root for that. It makes you better. It makes you better at what you do. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, he he, I think a lot of people had this realization about Kobe. Uh, when he died, yeah. it was like, oh, it shit. hurt, man. I don't know why it hurt so bad. I was like, it hurt I, a lot I, I felt like I was a lifelong Laker fan when he passed. I was like, what? Kobe? Like, yeah. Kobe died? Like, what? Yeah. I, I was because like, he's a fucking main character yeah. of, your, of your life. If you're a sports fan, he yeah. ain't no NPC. He's a no. main character. Like he is a he's a fucking protagonist. Yeah. You know, or antagonist, depending on where you're you're sorry. Interchangeable. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, it is interchangeable. It's yeah, especially with the trade, you know, especially with free agency and shit. But yeah, and that's the other thing. He played with one team his whole fucking career. Like, yeah, the last with, person yeah. who's ever going to even Tom Brady didn't manage to no. close out his career. It's on it's a gone. single team. Those days are it's over. gone forever. My, my guy, Steph yeah. Curry's going to do it, though, by the way. I'm just letting you know, my guy, Steph Curry's going to do it. Well, you better hope he breaks all his legs then in the next like. 16 months so there's no chance of him being not gonna happen. Another- he's not going to, he's not going back to charlotte to go back home it's not happening charlotte sucks he's not gonna go play there it's gonna he's gonna stay he's gonna retire a warrior because they're they've got they've gotten good and he's just one of those he's kind of just like one of those guys that's i don't know i don't think he has that in him i think he's like he's one of the, like a puppy like he's like a like a what i don't know I, whatever is that i i just i'm speaking that into existence because i'll be very sad if that day ever comes but he's already like i hope so for your sake he's already like 34 34, 35 already so i'm thinking you know i don't know yeah he's getting up there i remember watching his dad in the mid 90s sure um, good player yeah you know just like like a just like this great outside shooter that's all he was good at but it was but it was a it was like a freak show at being able to just yeah he was with larry johnson and them uh on those really good uh or was i think he played with the glenn rice yeah glenn rice and then he was with uh Toronto after that with Vince Carter after that Carter. yeah he ended up going to Toronto but he was like yeah his I knew him on the I I for me it was like the uh, a staple of those Hornets teams where Glenn Rice was also had his sure. like, best years yeah fuck yeah man well shit yeah, man I, I, yeah that, that's uh that's it's about it for us I think today but that um that was that was great I'm glad I don't we don't some of our fans don't like sports I don't give a shit like I it's, it's whatever we, we like, suckered them into this one that's the funny thing it's yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah. whatever dude like yeah. I don't care like it's 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 you gotta I, I can't just talk about fucking COVID all the time man I just can't do it I, <laughs> I love it I'm I love I I mean I love talking about it it is like the, it is the main thing in my life like that I talk about but come on man like fucking this shit 
I'm a sports nut, man. Like it just, this is one of those things you got to deal with, man. It's like, it's kind of like one of those like experimental albums you got to deal with from your favorite artist, you know, like where you're just like, all right, Mm, you know, he's going to, he's going to play this one at the live show. Huh? You know, like, all right, just is what it is, man. So it comes with it, but uh, plug your podcast one more time. um, Just at the end of the show. And then um, I am going to drive down the coast. I'm going to meet you up one time, dude. Oh yeah. We'll have a filthy Armenian adventure together. Yeah. Look up. Filthy Armenian Adventures on Patreon, and you know most of the episodes are uh, yeah. are free on Apple and Spotify. But I do have bonuses just for Patreon subscribers, so I would there is some there's value there, and uh, yeah, I'm it's really fun um, being on here and talking to you, as it is always fun talking to you online. Oh yeah, yeah, we have a fun time there too. So um, that's good. We'll we'll link that in the description too, make it easy on the people to find and. Um, you can follow crypto sci at crypto sci follow me at glenn rockney if you like sports just follow at rare candy pod one if you just like all the other stuff and um yeah uh we were on a we i was on a bunch of podcasts this week because i'm out of work for a couple weeks uh dealing uh, with a bunch of stuff but uh, i've just been doing podcasts this whole time so be on the lookout for that stuff and uh yeah filthy thanks for coming through that's it for us today uh, everybody have a good uh good uh, rest of the week yeah thank you cheers